Welcome to Midpoint, OCC's midweek podcast aimed at helping you connect with last week's message and prepare you for next week's sermon. Let's dive in. Hello and welcome to Midpoint, your midweek connection to Orchards Community Church. Last weekend, James continued through the Advent series entitled Coming Home for Christmas, and he talked to us about relationships. Oh, yes. James, you begin with the question of how can we bless those people we have relationship with? And then you dig into the four types of people we might encounter at our Christmas gatherings. These tend to be the disappointed people, the unsafe people, the stressed out people, and the embarrassing people. (laughs) Then you focused on the three gifts that uh, we have to give to them. So first question I have for you is what in this Advent season led you to preach this message? Well, Forrest, I think if we're real honest, we know these people. <laughs> Absolutely. Or, or we are these people, one of the two. I, yeah. I, I did Both. have a yeah. I had a guy come up to me after the service. He goes, what if I'm all four of those people? I was like, well, then <laughs> nobody's going to invite you to Christmas. <laughs> no, it, it's, it's trying to find a practical take on the Christmas story. Uh, I've been in full-time ministry for a long time. I've had the, it's a privilege to preach through the Christmas story several times, and, and it's the same story. And that's the greatest story, you know, but it's the same story. And so trying to find a, a unique take, a different take on it, that also, because my heart is to always preach towards application, what are we supposed to do right, based on what right. we're reading? And, and, and so this is the thing. I, I have talked to so many people. I've been in that spot, and I'm, I'm pretty blessed because I've had some, over the last several years, great Thanksgiving and Christmas celebrations, but I've had some pretty awkward ones too. Right. And it's because we encounter people who are living life, and they are stressed. And, and of course, sadly... Our families might have some unsafe people. We do have disappointed people. I've got them in my family. I mentioned my dad. And that, that was always a struggle. I wanted my dad to be there, but he sure didn't seem like he wanted to be there. <laughs> and when my kids were young, they didn't notice it so much. But as they got older, before he passed away, they are like, how come Grandpa Green doesn't seem like he's having fun? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the kids, they, they, they pick start up to that. notice that yes. stuff. Yeah. And, and that starts to bring them down. Right. And dear goodness, that's not what you want for your kids on Christmas Eve or Christmas Day to be feeling bad because right. Grandpa Green doesn't feel good. So those things are kind of hard. So, so I was just kind of drawn on that. And then I wanted the parallel to be there are people that are, are ancillary to the Christmas story. Herod's not a big, big part, but he is because of the part that he plays in trying to kill Jesus. And, and so we don't think of that as the warm, fuzzy part of the Christmas story, but it's there. And so bringing all these people in who are not the primary characters, they're in the manger scene, but they still play a part, it helps you illustrate some of these people we run into. So, sure. I don't know. It all seemed God's good and, and Holy Spirit works, and it kind of came together well, but it, it, it was a little disjointed at the start. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. So what did you have to leave out of your message, just due to time, maybe? Well, and really, there could have been more categories of people, for sure. We could have gone on and on there. And, and I could have dug a little deeper into some of the stories of the people, you know, but again, I didn't want to just tell on my family and that, you know. Um, I certainly have family members who've been that way. I mentioned that with a Thanksgiving story about my mom and some embarrassing stuff she'd done. And so the reality is I think you paint enough of a picture that people start to, to put themselves in there. Sure. And they go, okay, yeah, that's happened to me or something very, very similar. So there were more illustrations I could have given, but in the time frame, we didn't truly need them. Okay. Okay. And we don't want to throw everybody under the bus. Not either. at one time. No. So, not at one time. <laughs> okay. Is there anything else that you would want to mention before we move into submitted questions? Well, just the, uh, 
to remember we're in a series. The, the Advent series is something that, that we're building on as we go week by week. And it always points to, or it should always point to, this fact that Jesus is coming again. And we want to spend so much time focusing on the first coming because that's what we celebrate, right. you know, the birth of the little baby. Right. But for us to remember, that's, that's not the whole story. Jesus did come. We do celebrate his birth. It's an amazing thing. It's a historical fact. And then he grew. <laughs> yeah. And then he went to the cross for us. And then he died and was resurrected and, and ascended. And, and he's coming back. And so in that, you know, a lot of times people, I think, incorrectly look at the cross as an end of some kind. The cross is a, a crucial midpoint to what's going to come. And so it's just while folks are excited about the birth of Jesus, it's a good time to say, hey, remember, there's more to this story. So again, we won't we won't kind of belabor that every week, but every week we'll mm-hmm. at least mention it and point to it because that's where we right. are going. Right. So. Good, good, good. All right. So we had a few people send in questions um, from the congregation. We want to thank everybody for doing that. We, we do really appreciate the feedback because it helps us make sure that the midpoints help connect the dots of of how we should be living for Jesus. So the first question that comes in is, uh, why do you suppose the book of John has almost no mention of the birth of Christ? I think that's a neat question, and I don't know how many folks have sat and thought about that because I I made it sound like, well, John does give the birth story. It does, but but it's not in the same vein as the Gospels that carry the the birth story. But, But it's there because it mentions the birth, you know. But in that, I mean, for folks to understand even why we have four gospel accounts, um, that's helpful. That's helpful because of, gosh, if there was an accident out here in front of the church on Bryden, you would probably try and get eyewitness accounts from somebody here in the church on our side of the street, but from somebody in a house on the other side of the street and from a driver driving down. Different viewpoints. They're all going to see different viewpoints. And so in that, the gospels were written truly for different audiences and with different purposes in mind. And so you think about the synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke are called synoptic because they really are telling the same story, right. many of the same you know, themes repeated, and, and, and that's helpful because they're telling it from a different viewpoint mm-hmm. to a different audience. Mm-hmm. When you look at the gospel of Matthew, it was written to the Jews, and so lineage and history was supremely important to them, and that's why Matthew includes a Christmas yes. story. It's got yep. that narrative in there. The book of Mark is the shortest of the gospels, and it was written to the Romans, and they were not interested in all the fluff. They really just wanted concisely to know who is Jesus. Mm-hmm. They always wanted to know who was going to be in power. It was, of course, always right. For also hoping it was going to be them. Yes. <laughs> but, but in that, it's very succinct for that reason. Luke, we walked through, and, and just such a, man, I really appreciate the gospel of Luke, but written for Greeks and really just to, to paint the picture of the humanity of Christ. So obviously there's going to be a birth narrative in that. Right. And so, so that's why you get those in there. And so John is different from the Synoptic Gospels, written to truly kind of a universal audience, but written many decades after the Synoptic Gospels. Right. And so is there a need for the narrative? No, it's already in there in a couple of the other Gospels. And so truly John's Gospel is pointing over and over and over again to there's a Savior, there's a Savior, there's a Savior, you need to get this. This is supremely important. Yes. And, and so that's why, I mean, as if I could answer that. I wasn't there at the time, but but looking now at what we know, that's why John's doesn't include it. That's why Mark's doesn't include it. But two of the four do include it, and all of them reference it because all of them truly are about Jesus, just from the different viewpoints, different yeah. purposes. Yeah. So, that's but, that's but a neat helpful question. to remember, yeah. 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 And, and again, we, we don't think of that sometimes because we're reading it now 2,000 years later. Well, and we have some new believers, and, and even some that 
are into their walk with Christ that may not understand. They may understand oh, yeah. there's four Gospels, mm-hmm. but why? But, yeah, you know, but not understand mean? the different viewpoints and the different audiences. Yeah, The, the so, audiences, yeah, yeah. exactly. Helpful so, for us to think about. Yeah, yeah. All right, so moving on to the second question, one that is somewhat familiar this time yeah. of year. The question is, so many of my coworkers are stressed out over the holiday season and then also the world affairs and economy oh, and all that. Yeah. Is there anything that I can see or do to help them? Well, and that's why I wanted to focus on the gifts. How do you truly show love to people? And goodness, it'd be a, an unusual person who wasn't carrying some extra stress right now. I mean, they are either in a financial place that not a lot of people are, or they don't have a lot of relationships, and they could be stressed about that. People are messy. We create stress. We, we, we don't mm-hmm. even mean to sometimes. And the world we live in is a fallen place, and it seems kind of upside down right now. Yeah. I know, you know, Solomon writes in Ecclesiastes, there's nothing new under the sun. It's the same issues we've had over and over again. But because of the pro- proliferation of social media and 24-hour news cycles and everything's a soundbite and you see everything in a video right away, we just get information so much faster and we get so much of it that it really... All bogs, at the yeah, same time. And it really bogs you down. Yeah. And again, I, I've seen this and I've... I've tried so hard to stop doing it, and I'm, I'm doing better, honestly, but this was one of my challenges for myself for this year. I've just got to stop the doom scrolling. This, you, know, you start to read an article, and you read it, and it makes you feel bad, and the next article clicks up that's related, and you're like, well, I guess I'll read that too. Right. <laughs> and yeah. The, and the next thing you know, you've spent 30 minutes. I've spent an hour before reading news stories that don't make me happy, that don't really edify, that they don't bring glory to God. They just yep. talk about what a cruddy world we live right. in. Right, right. And I get done with the hour and I need a shower. It's, it's just you, you don't feel good about right. it. And so, yeah, people are going to be stressed. Yeah. And, and those people, myself included, need to hear that, hey, Jesus has got this. God's still sovereign. Everything's going to work out. That's hard to remember. I mean, I, I'm not lying. That's hard to remember for us in the world we live in today. So when you encounter the people who, for whatever reason, they're, they're stressed, as the question indicated, can, can you show them love through offering grace? Can you show them love through speaking the truth? That's the one that's maybe the hardest because, again, mm-hmm. people will embrace these weird conspiracy theories and, and, and the, these weird, I mean, just kind of out there. And, and that might be somebody you really love. And how do you love them well to go, okay, can you back <laughs> any of that up with evidence or can we talk right. about these, you know, right. and, and again, not to try and, and be a naysayer and just prove them wrong, you know, but to say, hey, can we have a dialogue about this? I, I just, I was on the debate team in high school, I remember, and, and I liked it then. I don't like it now. I, I, <laughs> I, I mean, I don't like debate. Um, I appreciate it in the political arena and things like that. I don't, I don't like it for Christ followers because in debate, somebody has to win. And, and if you go in with somebody going, well, I've got this side and you've got that side and I'm going to win, well, then you're going to lose. I talk about this in counseling all the time. It's a, it's a goofy thing to have a debate as a husband and wife because one side's supposed to win and one side's supposed to lose. And if, if I, as a husband, win, then what happens? My wife loses. Well, hey, guess what? I lost. Yeah, you just, you just lost. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, because I, I'm, I'm battling my own flesh. I'm sure. supposed to be one flesh with that person. So as Christ followers, if we're having arguments all the time and, and somebody's going to be a winner and somebody's going to be a loser, and I hope it's not just semantics, don't have a debate. Don't have an argument. Have a dialogue. Dialogue is where I share the things that I really believe. You share the things that you really believe. And right. we're not going to sit and pick on each other. We're both going to try and learn and grow. Right. And I think a two-party political system, I think a whole lot of issues that we have, that there's common ground in some of those areas where you can go, hey, could we help grow one another? 
as opposed to just fighting and having to prove the other guy right. wrong all the time. Well, the thought occurs to me, too, that if you, if you do spend a lot of time scrolling through the news feed or social media in general, um, are you even attempting to balance that out with reading Scripture in the same volume as you are the other news? We, you, know, you need to hear what Jesus has to say, yeah. what God says through his, his, through his words, too. The people that I've challenged with that, I don't believe we're doing that. At least they're, they're telling me they're not. I, and I can't remember um, the theologian. It might have been, oh, goodness, it might have been Oswald Chambers, but, but I, I truly can't remember. But some famous theologian, not me, said, <laughs> you need to read the newspaper every day, but you need to read it with the newspaper in one hand and the Bible in your other hand. Exactly. I've because, read that too. Yeah, because what you need to do is interpret those things you see in the newspaper through the lens of God's Word. Right. That's going to be the thing that's going to point you to the truth. And so, yeah, I'm not saying don't read the newspaper, but I'm also saying don't 100% read the newspaper and never read your Bible, because we're not going to get the actual context for how this works in the world. So again, that's one of those things. Offer grace, as much grace as you can. Be willing to to listen and and respond, but offer truth. And and in that passage in John, those two things are coupled together. We offer grace and truth. And, And then again, for the stressed person especially... I don't know that it's helpful for us ever to, to take somebody who's stretched and say, well, snap out of it, because I've never seen that to be <laughs> It's usually <laughs> pretty deep issues. And, yeah. And, and yeah, I mean, you're not helping anybody. All you're doing is, is dragging them down even further. So how do you give somebody time like that? If, if somebody lives in a perpetual state of stress, I don't think we want to give them forever to just wallow in stress. At, at some point in time, you start saying, hey, you know, I, I understand you're stressed about this, and and I want to give you an appropriate amount of time. Can we talk about this in a week? Can we talk about this in a month? Whatever. Right. I, I don't think it's loving to just let them wallow in that. But it is a hard deal to say how much time do you give somebody like that. And that's where, honestly, you need discernment. You yeah. need to go to God's Word. And, and everybody's different. Yes. And, but... and, and I think we're going to be most loving when we try to do that well. Yeah. Show, showing love, I mean, talking about love's easy. Everybody can yeah. do that. Showing it. Lo, love in Scripture is an action, period. I mean, you can see that over and over again. It's demonstrated by do we love people enough to want the best for them and not care what it costs us. Right. And time is that one thing. Every, everybody has the same amount of it. And so if you go and spend it with somebody, that's a big investment. That's a quality deal. And, and again, as I mentioned in the sermon, folks aren't problems that you can throw in the microwave and fix. Some things take longer. They yep. just do. Yep. Are we willing to spend that time? And we need to practice that too, to get better and better at it. That's well said because, yeah, we may feel like the first several times we try to do that, we absolutely stink at it, but that's okay. We'll learn and grow from that. Yep. And, and then the next time something comes up, maybe we'll handle yep. it better. In that sense, it is a, kind of about us, which you did mention in the sermon about asking Jesus to heal my heart yeah. first, you know, and then laying it on him to, uh, to do the work that he needs to do in other people. Well, I mean, the reality is if I see people correctly, if I do have Christ's eyes, if I see people the way Jesus sees them, I'm going to have a lot more love for them. <laughs> I'm yes. going to show a lot yeah. more grace and truth. I'm going to spend a lot more time. If I consider them a problem to be fixed, what are the chances I'm really going to invest well in that? I don't, I don't think they're high. <laughs> I'll speak from my own experience. I don't, I don't think they're high. So yeah, thank you for, for pointing that out. Because again, that was the hopefully the takeaway from the message. Yeah. yeah. All right. All right. <laughs> so uh, also a, a common question that we hear this time of year, um, people that are grieving over lost ones, what kind of advice would you give them? Yeah. And, and that one's a tough one as well. But the reality is, that's one of those where, you know, for folks who love the holiday season and have all the warm, fuzzy memories... 
the holidays are great because they they truly augment the highs in our life. And when we get to see family and we give presents, for somebody who just lost a loved one, for somebody who is really struggling, the holiday season does a 180. It's the exact opposite. It, it, it mm-hmm. deepens the lows, you know. Oh, my goodness, I really miss my husband, wife, my child, whatever. And now at the holidays, I really miss them because I had these memories of us being together, and now they're not there. Right, right. And that's just super tough. And so I hope, again, that's our deal. Instead of saying, hey, God, fix that person, we'd say, God, fix me so that I can go and, and shower love out on this person. And I think there's a, there's a passage in Romans 12, uh, verse 15, that is just on my heart all the time. But it tells us kind of how to, to deal with people. It says, you rejoice with those who rejoice. You mm-hmm. weep with those who weep. Mm-hmm. It doesn't say try to rejoice with somebody who's sad to make them happy. Don't try try and go pull somebody out of a, a miry pit. No, that really doesn't work very well. Sure. Right. <laughs> Again, if somebody's in the miry pit, go and cry with them. Now they're not supposed to live there for the rest of their lives. They are supposed to to move forward and see right. where God's at, at work. But you got to give them some time because that scripture says you go weep with those people who are weeping. Yeah. There's a lady here in the body and brand new to the body who lost her husband recently and, and tragic. He was young and a cancer deal. And what's Christmas going to be like for her this year? It's going to be very, very tough. And she's brand new to the church and, and fairly new to the community. To the she, community, yeah. Yeah, doesn't have a whole lot of connections yet. And so how, since we know about it, since I know about it, I went and, and had a chance to pray with them while he was there on hospice in his home. Mm-hmm. How do we continue to reach out to folks like that? You know, so we're trying to help them with some benevolent stuff. I'm going to go and meet with them again this week, try and offer some closure. But I'm certainly not going to say, "Eh, get over it." I mean, how insensitive, no, how horrible would that be? You go with that person, and you weep with them. This yeah. is still raw. This is still fresh, and Christmas is coming. It's going to be raw for a while. Yes, and so, so I think that's part of the deal. And in, in trying to to help people who are grieving over those lost ones. We just got to think, what would I do if I was in that spot? How can I be Christ to that person? Because that's real for them. And, and again, I think sometimes we're even well-meaning. Well, gosh, you know, just get over it and celebrate. <laughs> there may Not be that a time. Easy. Yeah, there, there, there may be a time, honestly. And, and, and maybe it's the next Christmas or, or maybe it's several down the road. I don't know. There may be a time where you're, you're able to, to truly have a great Christmas and remember all the wonderful memories you had. Mm-hmm. And God, that's going to be fantastic. God love them if they can get to that spot. But it's probably not going to be the first Christmas that they're gone. So how do you walk alongside right. them? Right. Uh, t- tough, tough stuff. Hard, hard things to apply. But again, we can't skip the things <laughs> that are hard to apply. No, it's part of life. Just because they're hard. <laughs> it's part of life. And I think that that's when God can come alongside us and use some of our experiences to benefit other people too. Well, and then seriously, yeah, we, we, to try and go and accomplish anything or say anything in and of our own power is going to be pretty lame anyway. Yeah. That, that's one where we truly need Christ walking with us, yeah. the Holy Spirit that's, literally kind of picking us up and carrying us into that spot. That's the, the supernatural power yes. of the Holy Spirit can do things that we cannot even imagine. Amen. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Very true. All right. Before we end this episode, let's talk about this next week. I am very excited about this next week um, because I'm going to kind of revisit a message that I'd preached several years ago. Um, but it, it's, I think it's so telling because it's about Joseph. It's primarily about Joseph, uh, Jesus's earthly father, who does not get a lot of press. I mean, we always give him the cool, you know, figurine in the <laughs> manger scene, sure. but that's kind of all he gets, you know? <laughs> Joseph is a guy who literally, there's no recorded words from him in scripture. We just don't hear much about, you know, we don't hear anything from him and we don't hear much about him. 
And then, you know, he's gone. You know, there's that right. gap in Christ's life where you get, you know, the baby years, and then he he's just going into ministry, and you don't get Jesus in the teenage years. You don't get acne Jesus and, and all the awkwardness <laughs> of the teenage years. You know, <laughs> would he have had acne? Probably not. But anyway. Yeah, that's when Joseph was pulling out yeah. his hair. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so, and many theologians believe that that Joseph died somewhere in that period. You know yeah. that he's not around there later on. But there are some things that that as I was studying Joseph several years ago, where I was like, I never knew that. I never knew that about this guy. And and I think it's one of those things where it's helpful for us to hear. Here's another part of the story, because for many of us, and and we have you know the kind of the fight or flight deal. We had a great role model as a dad, and we love it, and we want to copy everything he did, or we had a horrible role model as a dad, we want to cure everything he did. Jesus had God as his father, and yet on this earth, he had an earthly father. And I think for sure, Joseph poured into young Jesus, and there are things that you see later in Jesus's adult life. Sure, they came from God, because God's sovereign over all things, but they came from God, I think, through Joseph. And so I really want to... sure. Yeah, I want to try and kind of point that out so we don't just think, well, Joseph's an add-on in the story. He's a big part of the story. Yeah. Well, Scripture says that Joseph was a a just and righteous man. You don't... Yeah, you don't get that title without (laughs) without being that guy. There's something there. (laughs) Yeah. So, and and again, we do see that in his actions. Again, those speak louder than our words anyway. His actions towards Mary in what would have been a conversation I made light of, but just a awkward as all get out conversation where yes. she has to say, I'm, I'm pregnant by the Holy Spirit. And, and I don't know that any of us know how we would have handled that. <laughs> and yet Joseph's still all in, you know, so it, it's a, it's a neat, neat deal. So anyway, I do want to spend a lot of time looking at that. And it's in that context of, of getting gifts. Sometimes we get unwanted gifts. We, we get a gift at Christmas that we didn't want. I'm sure it happens from a gift-giving standpoint, but Joseph got a gift that he didn't want. He, he got the news that his soon-to-be wife was pregnant, and it wasn't right. his. How do you respond? What do you What do you do with something like that? And so it's it's a such a trite little example of getting a gift that we want, we might want to return, but Joseph couldn't return this one. Right. He had to move forward and deal with it. So yeah. that's what we'll talk about this coming week, week three of Advent. Good. Good. All right. So uh, that's about all the time we have for this week. Mm-hmm. We hope you enjoyed this week's Midpoint. If you'd like to send in any questions or thoughts into the show, please mail or text us at Podcast at lewistonocc.org. Be sure to join us in service this coming Sunday at 9 o'clock and then second service at 10.30 a.m., as well as the Monday night service at 7 o'clock. And we are just really promoting the Monday night service. So if you know of any folks that work in shift work or like a little smaller crowd, Monday night at OCC is the place to be. It is such a good time. So. It's, a, it's a party. It's, it's truly enjoyable. Yeah. Yeah. So we hope to see you all very soon. Be well. Know that you are so loved by God and Orchards Community Church. God bless you.